0: Here on the Shepherd Radio Network, I had a chance to meet virtually somebody recommended to me from Dwayne Watt, a pastor in the area, and he said, you've got to have this guy on your program. His name is Jeff Rogers. A little bit about Jeff. He is the founder and chairman of Stewardship Legacy Coaching and also Stewardship Advisory Group, has 30 years of experience in helping clients create a thriving family legacy. It's so nice to have you on the line. Welcome to my program, Jeff.
1: Mike, thanks for having me on and a shout out uh, to your audience. Thanks for listening in.
0: Yeah, I appreciate the audience. (laughs) It makes it so important for a radio program to have listeners and I'm grateful for them as well. You know, tell me a little bit about yourself. What part of the country did you come up in?
1: Well, Mike, I grew up in New Hampshire, so uh, New England town, kind of small town, uh, you know, suburb, uh, really more rural even than suburb, and um, uh, good, good family, uh, God, you know, parents who loved us, and I uh, had two siblings, a uh, brother and a sister, and um, really, really good home life growing up, um, uh, middle class, uh, that type of thing, kind of typical patriotic Americans, hardworking you know, had to do chores around the house, all all of that kind of stuff. And um, yet uh, the family that I grew up in was not a Christian family. Uh, My parents had had both had bad experiences uh, with religion uh, in their growing up years. So they they weren't like uh, Christ haters or anything like that. They just didn't want to have anything to do with religion. But I had a godly grandmother on my dad's side, uh, Grandma Rogers, who – uh, loved the Lord, was passionate about him, always showed the joy of the Lord, Was lived a life of generosity, serving others. And uh, she was really a godly example and always planted the seeds of the gospel uh, in into our hearts and lives. Um, uh, every birthday or, or Christmas card, there was a Bible verse in there from Graham Rogers. And then uh, I forget exactly the age, maybe around 10 or 12, uh, Graham Rogers gave my brother and I uh, our first Bibles, and uh, she gave them uh, to us on her birthday. So most people get presents on their birthday. Graham Rogers gave presents that on her birthday. And in, in the front of that Bible, I remember it today. It's the first Bible verse I ever learned even before I became a Christian. Uh, she wrote uh, Psalm 46.1. God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in, in trouble. And so uh, because of uh, the example and the testimony of, of my grandmother's life, later on as a teenager, in junior high, um, uh, after living a life of kind of juvenile delinquency and, and typical adolescence type of stuff of a lot of American kids, uh, I realized my need for for Christ and uh, and came to know Him and God just radically uh, changed my life, did a 180, and uh, then. Uh, a short while later, my my brother got saved at, at my baptism, and then about a year after him, my father came to know Christ at uh, an evangelistic service at our church, and about a year and a half after my dad, my mom came to know the Lord, and so uh, one by one, uh, God was uh, reaching us and, and uniting our family uh, in Christ, and then later on down the road, my sister came to know Christ, so we're, uh, we're all uh, in the faith now, and my mom and dad have gone home uh, to be with the Lord. Um, so we look mm-hmm. forward to that day of reuniting. But that was uh, kind of uh, kind of uh, my growing up years and uh, how I came to faith.
0: You know, those are so important incidents that a, a grandmother can have or a grandfather. Uh, you know, as a grandparent myself, I realized that uh, this is quite a responsibility that we have as grandparents. But in your case, the legacy that you inherited from her uh, had such a massive impact that it not only brought you in, but it ended up affecting and maybe opening the door even for your mom and dad and your other family members to come to the Lord as well.
1: Absolutely, uh, Mike. We often when we're talking about family legacy, we we primarily think of parents and and children, but but there really is an aspect um, not only of parental legacy, but of but of a grandparents' legacy. And um, in in my book, Create a Thriving Family Legacy, How to Share Your Wisdom and Wealth with Your Children and Grandchildren, Uh, in addition to talking to parents, I talk to grandparents about how they can steward their legacy, um, really in, in five different dimensions, their personal legacy, their family legacy, their financial legacy, their business legacy, if they happen to be business owners, and then finally, their kingdom legacy. And as you mentioned, like uh, that legacy can ripple down through generations and affect, you know, untold uh lives uh, just by living out um the gospel in in uh, in our lives in an authentic genuine way.
0: You know, you we hear so often about about people who lived and did great things and then seemingly were forgotten just a generation later. That's not an uncommon thing in this world to see people who live and what they did really wasn't building toward any sense of uh, Christian legacy or spiritual legacy, uh, and then they're forgotten. But for those that are believers, I mean, we read the Bible, we realize that the legacy of, of people who live for God and really sought after the Lord uh, that legacy can go down past generations and uh, looking back on even great grandparents. So that's really an important thing to, to, to do that all of us that are alive today need to be thinking about not only our life today, but how we live and what we do impacts those coming after us and will make a difference on whether our life functionally makes a difference or not, right?
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right, Mike. Uh, in fact, every one of us will leave a legacy, whether good or bad, Mm. um, and whether intentional or unintentional, for that matter. And um, I believe everybody in their heart of hearts, in their core of their being, they want to leave a good legacy. They want to be remembered well. They want to leave the proverbial footprints in the sands of time. They want to affect people in a positive way. And yet most people aren't intentional about it. And they're not intentional about the legacy that they're going to leave behind. And so most people – a friend of mine puts it this way. You can have a legacy created by design or by default. And if you just do it by default, it's probably not going to be a good legacy. Mm -hmm. But if you do it by design and with intentionality, uh, you're going to have a positive legacy that, as you said, can can, – uh, stand the, the, the test of time and really impact future generations. And for those of us as believers, our legacy can ripple on through eternity. It's not just through yeah. multiple generations here on earth. I mean, uh, the, the things that we do, whether good or bad, <laughs> will we'll, we'll, we'll reverberate throughout eternity. And so that's kind of an awesome thing when we think about it from the, co- the concept of the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, or for those that don't know the Lord, the great white throne judgment, but the legacy of of uh, what we do and and, and how we live is, is pretty massive.
0: You know, you talk about the word intentional. Uh, we just lost my mom just uh, a couple of weeks ago now, and I was up in Indiana during that time frame. And when we did the funeral, my uh, oldest daughter, who had come uh, also up to Indiana from Orlando, uh kind of shared uh, an important thing about my mom's legacy and she said this she said she was told as a little girl my daughter was by grandma that her own grandma meaning my mom's grandmother was not very friendly was not very loving and really did not take a lot of time with her with the grandkids and and she said as a young girl my mom said this to my my daughter as a young girl, I purposed in my heart that when the time came, if I was blessed to have grandchildren, I was not going to be like that. I was going to be loving. I'm going to be involved. I'm going to be there. I am go- I want to be a cheerleader. All of these things, she purposed in her heart as a young girl. And then later on, sure enough, as she had us and then we had children, her own grandchildren, she began to pour into them all the way up to age 93. And she wow. was just like that kind of a cheerleader. And to think that my the, the granddaughter is standing uh, as a uh, eulogizer now at a funeral, talking about her grandma, talking about intentionality, what my mom did intentionally made a difference not only in her life. But my daughter's life, and of course mine as well.
1: Wow, what an awesome testimony uh, in in the life of your own family, Mike. And you know what you're getting at is that um, uh, we we don't have to be ruled, and our and our family's legacy doesn't have to be ruled. Or uh, governed by what has happened in the past, either what somebody has done to us, uh, we can break the chains of even generational curses mm-hmm. and sin that has you know gone on in our family or you know uh, dysfunction or whatever. We don't have to be you know uh, make that our identity. We we can break free, free from that through the power of Christ. And, you know, an example of that in both of my parents' lives, uh, as I mentioned, they had a, a kind of a bad experience with religion when they were growing up. And um, in in my dad's uh, case, um, uh, his grandfather, who is actually a, a pastor, a minister, uh, probably not a Christian, but nevertheless, a, a minister of a church, uh, a, a mainline church. And my dad said he was the meanest man he ever met. Oh,
0: that's and he so literally
1: awful. He literally beat, um, uh, you know, his kids uh, and, and his wife, and that went down to the to the next generation. So my my grandfather, my dad's father, was was the same way. So he he beat my father. He beat you know all of his kids. He beat my grandmother. My grandmother would would put herself between him, uh, her husband, and and her children, my dad and his siblings, um, and take the beating for for them uh, when when she could. And um and my dad left home at the age of twelve, okay, and he he worked for a dollar a day in room and board uh, just to get away from the abuse. and And some of his siblings weren't as you know as fortunate as that. But my dad, kind of like what you said about uh, your your grandmother, um, my dad was intentional, and both he and my mom said we we don't want to raise our kids in that type of environment. So even though they weren't Christians at that point, uh, they made a decision that they were going to live their lives in a different way. They were going to break that uh, bondage mm-hmm. uh, of their of their family uh, legacy. They were going to create a new family legacy, and and they did. And and my brother and sister and I are the beneficiaries of of that uh, change of mindset. Um, you know uh, about being intentional.
0: You know we read about it in scripture. This is really not and shouldn't be. a a big surprise to people that what happens in our lifetime, it does have a spillover effect in generations, not just the next generation, but the the subsequent generations following our own kids. I mean, into our grandchildren and even great grandkids, if we live that long. So these decisions that we make today, it really is important uh, to be intentional. Now you mentioned one other thing I want to jump in on. Not only did your grandmother Uh, make the decision to be intentional with you, you use the phrase that she actually did things that were like seeds that were being sown into your life. Now we all know that a seed, the moment it is sown, it is not necessarily going to be producing fruit the next day or whatever, but your grandmother had faith and she realized that God would water that seed in your life. And that looking ahead is part of what we need to do when it comes to legacy as well, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and like you said, sometimes there's things that we need to do that are very active, uh, proactive, but there are other times where what we're called to do is merely plant seeds and, and, and live out the gospel. Sometimes it's with words, um, and uh, sometimes it's, it's very strong and bold and powerful, but other times it's, uh, it's uh, more gentle. And uh, we look in the life of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, he did it both ways. Okay, he was very bold. Um, he was willing to take a stand. He was willing to rebuke, you know, uh, religious leaders that you know that um, that weren't living it right. And yet he was also the most compassionate, gentle uh, person ever on on the face of the earth uh, to those that needed compassion. And so we we ought to do the same thing in in our lives um, to um, to be bold when we need to be bold, but to be gentle and winsome uh, when um, uh when when that's called for and that's true whether it's just with people you know friends and and people out in the public, but it's also true with our children and grandchildren. There's times to be strong and tough and and set the boundaries um you know uh, mm-hmm. not spare the rod you know and spoil the child, as Proverbs says, but then there are also uh times to uh you know come alongside and and be gentle and put our put our arms around them and love' them, uh in spite of. You know what they've done. Love them unconditionally, like like Jesus does for us.
0: He does. He loves us unconditionally, and we receive his grace even when we don't deserve it. And that's true for all of us that receive anything from our grandparents or our parents. It's it's really just the gift of God through through uh, his mercy and his grace that we receive good things. And I'm grateful that we do, and I'm also grateful that we can. But I think this talk is so important. Uh, in our next segment, I'm going to uh, ask you to kind of dive into, if you will, what you mentioned earlier, uh, legacy and broken down into five areas. I think uh, most of us, when we think of uh, stewardship, we think of money. We think of uh, being a good steward and maybe tithing and and being a good, honorable person. Uh, but the legacy that we leave goes way, way, way beyond just uh, an inheritance of cash or property or whatever it, it is in all these different areas. And I'm, I'm really uh, looking forward to hearing that before we do, what caused you besides the, the impact of your own grandmother, what caused you to have such an interest in this whole thing about legacy?
1: Yeah, good question, Mike. Um, it really started out, uh, because of of my uh, first career, which which is still part of what I do through Stewardship Advisory Group, you know I I serve as a financial advisor and a estate planner. So, I have for many years walked people through the estate planning process, and and as you mentioned, uh, you know the estate planning process for most people is really more about the financial right. inheritance part of their legacy, and um, as as um, you know, I worked with families. I also saw. There's a lot of uh, sometimes dysfunction uh, in families there's um uh, uh, hurts uh you know that that have taken place wounds if you would uh, and oftentimes these cause generational curses to the third and fourth generation um, as scripture teaches and so um, one of the things that that I became convinced of and as you said passionate about is the fact that God wants people he he wants uh, people to have strong families. He wants them to have strong family legacies. He wants them to have successful, uh, legacies. And, um, one of the key things that I've seen over and over again, and you've seen it too, Mike, uh, in your work with people is sometimes there's, uh, there's, um, uh, hurts between generations, between parents and children Mm -hmm. or whatever, uh, or, or the other way up. And, and a lot of times we see, uh, People who we hear the stories about people who get right with their parents or with their children on their deathbed. And when that happens, we cheer it on and we go, man, that's so good that they, you know, finally got right uh, with each other uh, on the deathbed. And yet, uh, and it is good, but it's also very sad.
0: Yes, because it is. What if
1: they had mended that relationship 20 years before and they could have had 20 more years? Of love and and good memories and stuff, and so so I'm I'm passionate about helping people to think through those things and take action, as you said, be intentional about them early on. And one of the ways uh, that we do that is is by uh, encouraging people to uh, have uh, conversations uh, with with your children or grandchildren or spouse or whoever the case may be. And well, hold
0: that thought right there, Jeff. We're up against a break. We're going to pick up this talk with uh, conversations and how to have them and uh, how they can benefit in a moment. My guest is Jeff Rogers. He's with Stewardship Legacy, and we'll be back with Jeff in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike, and you're on The Shepherd. So blessed to be talking today to Jeff Rogers. Uh, He is from Central Florida, but today this interview is coming over the phone line, and so great to have him here. Jeff is with Stewardship Legacy. He has many years as a financial advisor, and uh, God just really used him to catch hold of this whole thing about the importance that we all have, not just those that, you know, we often think about people who have big uh, estates to leave, they have a legacy that passes on, maybe through a foundation or whatever. But the truth is, what Jeff said in segment one is really true. We're all going to leave a legacy, be it good or bad. And the only way that we can leave a good one, as he explained, is to be intentional about it. And one of the intentional things that we were uh, talking about at the end of segment one is the whole thing about conversations, something as simple as a conversation. Uh, Go ahead and share how that can really not only uh, change the tone of one's legacy, but really pass along important items to our, our kids.
1: Absolutely, Mike. So part of the idea is instead of just waiting until uh, you're on your proverbial deathbed to have uh, a conversation with your children or, for that matter, uh, with your parents, rather than waiting until that time, because very frankly, not everybody makes it to a deathbed. Some people die suddenly through a heart attack or stroke or car accident or whatever. And so sometimes people never get to have that conversation. And so one of the things that I challenge people uh, about is to leave nothing left unsaid that you will wish you had said. Oh,
0: that's things so like good. I
1: love you. Things like I love you, things like I'm sorry, things like I'm so proud of you. Things like Will you forgive me? These are conversations that, uh, that when we have them uh, done in the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, they can bring healing uh, to relationships that that have been broken, and they can build a bridge so that instead of um, uh, you know just getting right at the end of life, uh, you can make the most of the next twenty or thirty years, or however long you have, mm-hmm. uh, or your parents have, and uh, and build positive memories and really build a you know, a thriving family legacy.
0: You know, I had a conversation with somebody. I've probably shared it on this show. Uh, As a young pastor, I was called by a a church member to go to the hospital. She said, if you can, uh, our church member uh, had this neighbor. She said, there's a guy that lives next door to us that has always been the kindest person, but he's never, ever expressed any faith at all and has never attended a church. And so she said, he's dying. And I just wonder, would you go and talk to him? And maybe God would open the door to talk about his salvation. So I did. I I went to find him and he was, when I walked in that room, he was what looked like a picture of health. I'm thinking, well, my goodness, this guy looks great, his color's good, everything about him seemed right, and so I introduced myself, and sure enough, he was so friendly, and we got to talking, and I have it in the back of my mind that this guy is not a believer, but I'm thinking, man, he's a nice guy, and so knowing that my friend had told me that, I, I kind of went the direction, like you said, in a conversation, and I began talking about eternal things, about, about the Lord, and I found him incredibly, surprisingly open to the gospel. So I took it another step, Jeff. I, I asked him, I said, well, would you like to pray and ask the Lord to to be with you and to forgive you and to save you? And he goes, man, I would love that. So hmm. I was able to pray with him. And at the end of that prayer, we had such a delightful chat. And I asked him toward, before I left, I said, Uh, Bill, tell me something. Why is it that this is happening now? And he had this answer for me. He said, Mike, I think I thought in my own heart that I was going to live forever. And I want you to know he died the next day. Wow. I wouldn't have believed that he was that close to death. He thought he was going to live forever. And I think that's why a lot of people... They don't. They put off this stuff that's so important.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. In uh, at at the core of every human being, Blaise, Blaise Pascal, the, the creator of algebra, mm-hmm. uh, said that there is a God-shaped vacuum in the in the heart of every human being that only Jesus Christ can fill. Uh, that's just a paraphrase of what he said, obviously. But um, you know what you're getting at, uh, Mike, is that these conversations. Can be and it was in that case eternally significant. And you know, as we talk about relationships and 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 legacy, um, part of my paradigm is that people need to get uh, relationships right vertically, uh, first of all between them and God, um, uh, and also horizontally with uh, other people on Earth, their their uh, mm-hmm. family, friends, and you know, and so we need. Both vertical and horizontal relationships to be uh, to be healed and to be um, uh, you know, healthy and, and that type of thing. And you know, one of the uh, paradigms that I have, a, a friend of mine, uh, a mentor of mine, shared with me years ago, that there's three marks to a successful legacy, and uh, we call these the three hugs. And the first one is, will your children still be hugging each other? six months after you die? Wow. And if the answer is no, it doesn't matter how good your estate plan was, how much money you left them. If your kids aren't still hugging each other six months after you die, then you failed at your legacy. The second hug is uh, will there be people in heaven giving you a hug because they're there partly because of your influence? Either you led them to Christ as you did that gentleman, or you uh, maybe gave to a, a church or a ministry that shared the gospel with them. And obviously, taking nothing away from the sovereignty of God and His work, but He works through people. And yes, so, he will does. there be people in heaven, you know, giving you a hug because they're there partly because of your influence? And the third hug, Mike, is will we get a hug from our heavenly Father? In other words, will we hear "Well done, my good and faithful servant"? Um, and those three hugs. Are the marks of a successful legacy. If we get those, I think, I think we're probably going to do okay at the beam seat.
0: Wow, that's so practical. And so uh, I, I think it's just, it really takes all this stuff that might seem complex to people, and it breaks it down in a way that we can really get our brain around and realize that, yeah, the way our kids are acting, uh, you, you know, we've used this phrase often, more is caught than taught. And our kids are going to pick up on this by watching us. So a lot about what our legacy is going to ultimately be with our kids, it's not going to be even the words we said, although those conversations, as you've just told us, are very important. But it's also, they're watching how we actually live on a day-to-day that's basis. Right.
1: Yep, that's right. And not just our children, but our grandchildren as well. That's right. They're looking up. And um, so so oftentimes it's, it's even you know jumping a, a generation as it were where they they're watching grandma and grandpa and they oftentimes are really looking up to them even if they're not getting along great with their own parents they're they 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 hold their grandparents in high esteem so the influence of a grandparents legacy um uh, as well as the parents legacy can be huge
0: oh uh, i i believe it now you mentioned a couple of things i want to go back into Uh, regarding legacies. We've talked now about the the intentionality. We've talked about the conversations that needed to take place. Uh, And also we've touched on the fact that obviously a part of it is financial. You mentioned five different areas. So can you kind of uh, elaborate on those five areas of, of legacies that we all need to be mindful of?
1: Sure, Mike. The, the first is our personal legacy. What, what do we want to be remembered or what, what impact do we want to leave on the earth behind? The second is our family legacy, and, and we view that in a multigenerational context, not just children but grandchildren and future generations. And then third is our financial legacy. That is the inheritance uh, portion. Um, and then for those who are business owners, many people haven't really thought about it, but uh, the stewardship of that business uh, and the successful transition of that business, whether it's a sale or passing it on down to the kids or you know, to uh, key employees or an outside buyer, that um, is their business legacy, um, and they need to steward that well. And the, and the fifth is their kingdom legacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are we doing that will last for eternity? Um, what impact are we having, whether it's uh, through our living or through our giving? You know, what, what are we doing uh, as part of our kingdom legacy? Are we involved in the work of the Great Commission of the Gospel? Are we uh, reaching people uh, through evangelism? Are we discipling people as, as Jesus really commanded us to do? So those are the five different uh, areas of legacy. And yet, when we look at um, how legacy is usually thought of here in America, as you pointed out earlier, Mike, it's almost all about the financial legacy. It's about the inheritance And we believe that that needs to be stewarded, and and that is part of the legacy, Mm -hmm. but but it's much, much more than that. And so what we do uh, through Stewardship Legacy Coaching is help people to uh, create plans for both effective wealth transfer, that's the financial legacy piece, with intentional wisdom transfer. Um, Because if you just pass on wealth and you don't pass on wisdom, have you actually helped your children or grandchildren? No, you've. You've given them a lot of money to be fools. Yeah, the, to be uh,
0: reckless with, progress, with right. Yeah. You know,
1: and, and then, you know, then people wonder why they end up with the proverbial prodigal child. And so we need to combine effective wealth transfer with intentional wisdom transfer and the transfer of virtues, character, family values, uh, again, to our children and grandchildren. And we need to think about uh, not only preparing the inheritance for our heirs, preparing our heirs for the inheritance. and That's, again, about wisdom transfer. And most people haven't really thought about, even most Christians haven't really thought about, do I have an intentional plan for transferring wisdom, the life lessons that I've learned, uh, either through good mentors and teachers, parents and uh, grandparents, coaches that I've had, uh, or maybe even through the wisdom that we've learned through the mistakes we've made and through the school of hard knocks. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, do we have a plan for transferring that wisdom to our children and grandchildren? I would venture to say most people don't.
0: I agree with you. And, and I don't know that I've ever heard anybody say it just the way you uh, uttered that, that when not only, I think most of us think of a legacy as prepare and our inheritance rather as something that we're preparing to give to our grandkids or our children But you've you've said that it's also preparing our children and grandkids to receive it. And that is, that's that's profound. That is, I don't think people are thinking that way, but it really is all a matter of this big overarching umbrella word, stewardship. It's really rightly handling what the, the responsibilities and the blessings that God's poured into our lives. And making sure that we're not just spoiling our kids by giving them, as you said, a pocket full of cash when they're not ready to receive it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, One of the things, and and I think everybody knows this, but we don't consciously think about it a lot, um, is wealth and an inheritance can be a blessing or a curse. And um, it's not even necessarily the amount of wealth. It's how well are our heirs prepared as you said, to receive that wealth. Mm-hmm. And that's a stewardship responsibility from a, from a legacy perspective for a grandparent or a parent to prepare our heirs. Mm. That, that's our job. That's why God put us on earth. And so a lot of times people uh, think that, you know, well, you know, my job was, you know, to raise my kids and then nurture an admission of the Lord until they, you know, reach 18 and they leave the house. And then my job is done. I wipe my hands of it. No, that's not what we see in Scripture. Uh, we see, yeah, there's a change in the relationship and and you know a change in how you parent uh, when you have what are, what we call adult children, which is kind of a misnomer anyway. But but um, you know uh, at, at that point our job is not done. Um, our role shifts more into you know being uh, a friend and a counselor. Yeah, still a parent, but but um, uh, being. Somebody that they will come to and being intentional about, uh, you know, uh, helping them to make the decisions that they have to make when they're raising their own kids, you know, our grandkids or, you know, when they're, you know, uh, buying their first home or, you know, starting to save in their 401k for retirement. You know, there's life lessons that we've learned that um, we can still speak into the lives of our adult children and uh it's it's really a biblical stewardship uh responsibility that is never given up um you know it's never we're never done with that
0: well you we're not, and you know we're all called as Christians. This is something I don't know that a lot of people think about our calling as a believer uh as being a, a part of legacy but it really truly is it's not just our legacy it's also the legacy of those that have gone before us that shared the gospel with us but that's that point 5 of leaving a kingdom legacy behind uh because it does matter not only uh the the money and the the personal lives of integrity and the the uh the businesses that we might have passed down but just this whole thing of living out the christian walk and walking our our walk, and not just letting it be a talk, but walking it out in such a way that our kids and our grandkids, they've caught that, and they are impacted by that.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Mike. And if we really understand the fact that God owns it all, and we're simply stewards of it, it, then that will change our paradigm not only on the wealth transfer part, but like you said, how we live out our lives as well, because our very lives, the very breath that we have is owned by God. He He mm-hmm. either gives it, or if not, we're not living you know, another moment. Uh, and all the wealth that we've accumulated, what it, whether it's little or much, whatever we have is is been entrusted to us as stewards. Uh, we, we, we are managers of, of God's resources. And so one of the I think key questions that everybody should ask when they're thinking about their own legacy, even the financial legacy part of it, the inheritance part of it is have we ever asked the owner what he would have us do with his resources? Yeah. You know, what's an appropriate inheritance for our children so that it's a blessing and not a curse? And so one of the things I ask people is do you think it's possible to give our children or grandchildren too much wealth so that instead of it helping them, it could end up harming them. Mm-hmm. Instead of being a blessing, it could end up being a curse. And most people say, wow, I've never thought of it that way. But they answer, yes, I, I do think that it's possible to give our children or grandchildren too much wealth. Yep. And so then we go through a process of helping them to quantify that and think through what is the appropriate. And it, it's different for every family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for that matter, sometimes different even. With different children within a within a family, and then uh, second is um, you know our grandchildren because in in scripture it says in Proverbs a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Well, that's grandchildren. That's mm-hmm. not just children. And yet the American way of doing estate planning, in 95% of estate plans done in America, wills or trust, um, it all goes to the children. Right. Nothing goes to the grandchildren. Well, but that's not the biblical way of doing it.
0: We're up against a break. My guest today, Jeff Rogers, Stewardship Legacy Coaching. We'll be right back. (music) Segment three of our program today, my guest is Jeff Rogers, Stewardship Legacy Coaching. Uh, He was talking about some very important things in the last segment. Uh, Just go ahead and pick that up right now, Jeff.
1: Even beyond giving back to our family and inheritance, to our children and grandchildren, to ask uh, the owner of the wealth, the one who's given us the ability to create it and has entrusted us with it, asking him, how much of the resources you've blessed us with would you like us to reinvest in your kingdom? Oh, that is so good. For your purposes.
0: That is so good. And,
1: you know, I think if people would approach the whole, you know, inheritance and estate planning with those three questions, what's an appropriate inheritance for my children, so it's a blessing and not a curse, so it helps and does not harm. Same thing with, you know, the same question for for grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And then asking, you know, our Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, uh, how much of this do you want uh, me to give back to your kingdom uh, to further the gospel? Because I'm so thankful for what you did in my life and redeeming me, that I want the whole world to know the good news of Christ. And then is, you know, where you know, our local church and what ministries. Uh, and that's going to vary from, from individual to individual. But, but have a strategic giving plan to go along with your strategic living plan. And that that's really living out a thriving uh, family and kingdom legacy.
0: Oh, man, Jeff, that is so good. Before we go any further, give us your website, and then we'll repeat that at the end.
1: Yes. Yeah, so we have two uh, websites, Mike. Uh, one is stewardshiplegacy.com, stewardshiplegacy.com. That actually takes you to the company and, and the process that we use for that. But then I've got another one, which is kind of my author speaker uh, page for, for my book, and that is thrivingfamilylegacy.com. Thriving, Thriving Family
0: Legacy. Okay. Got it. Yep. Yeah, and we'll we'll uh, repeat those again if you miss those. We'll repeat those again at the end of this segment that's coming up now that we're in right now. Uh, you mentioned something earlier, Jeff, that I want to I want to go back and and visit because I'm convinced that a lot of people don't think this way, and that is the reality that there is this thing that's described in the Bible as a curse, as a generational curse, and uh, I'm not sure a lot of people. Really have that part of the vernacular in their spiritual walk, so let's let's delve into that and explain what you mean by breaking a generational curse.
1: Well, a couple of things. One is, as we look at scripture, we see family lines where uh, where the parent or grandparent or you know the patriarch, if you would, um, uh, walked away from the Lord or did not honor the Lord, did not live right in the eyes of the Lord. And uh, and oftentimes, uh, that caused a curse to go down to their children and grandchildren, as the Bible says, uh, to uh, the third and fourth generation of those who hate the Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, And yet we see the opposite of that as well. We see a blessing to the third and fourth generation, to those who love Him, uh, love the Lord. And so we see both the blessing and curse, multi-generational, uh, in in the Bible. And the good news is, just as God is in uh, the business of of uh, healing and redeeming broken lives, and healing and redeeming broken families, uh, He can do the same thing generationally. And so, you know, as as uh, I shared through the testimony of my own family, how my uh, both my parents broke the generational curse that uh, that. Was was on with their parents and grandparents, and they decided we're we're not going to live as abusers, you know. And um, you you mentioned about in your own family, uh, you know, how uh, the one generation said, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be, uh, I'm going to be more involved in my grand in my children's lives. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be friendlier. I'm going to be happier. I'm going to have more joy and not be a sourpuss. And so, uh, so we do have that ability to break uh, generational curses. Now, we can't do it in our own power. It's not just a willpower thing. It, it, it can only be done like any um, redemption and reconciliation through the power of the Holy Spirit. So, we want to we make that clear. Uh, but um, there are lots of uh, generational curses, uh, family dysfunction, communication, uh, physical abuse, emotional abuse, addictions, uh, alcohol. Uh, drugs pornography gambling you name it um uh even spending you know i, th- I think spending and materialism you know, even though we don't put those in the same category as alcohol or or or, or drugs uh, there are people who who just are not good stewards and they're, and they're shopaholics if you would Yeah, they are. And, or just living uh for this material world, if you would, making it an idol, which obviously we see in Scripture, and God doesn't want us to have any idols. And so whatever the generational curse is uh, or whatever the bondage or addiction is uh, in, in our own lives, uh, God wants us uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, through the transforming of our minds to break that generational curse. And then He wants us to not just do that in our own lives, he wants us to mentor and disciple our children and grandchildren to follow hard after him, to be passionate followers of, of Christ and to live according to his word. Um, in Psalm uh, 78, I'm not going to be able to quote it, but, but basically it talks about um, the, the idea of, 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 of teaching uh, our children and grandchildren the great and wondrous works the Lord has done, mm-hmm. and, and the things that He's done in our lives and in our families, and and if if we uh, do that, then it's more likely, as you said earlier, Mike, that our kids and grandkids will catch um, what what we're teaching, and um, and and they will esteem and revere, or as Scripture even says, fear the Lord, you know, as as we do. And so, this whole idea of intergenerational mentoring and discipleship of our children and grandchildren. People don't normally think that way, even most Christians here in America. We think of you know evangelism and discipleship of others in the context of the local church, and we should, but our number one responsibility for mentoring and discipleship is in our own family. That's and, right. Um, I'm I'm reminded of uh, the words of the evangelist Billy Sunday, who was uh, a famous baseball player and kind of a precursor to Billy Graham, uh, did great, you know, uh, sawdust trail revivals in in his day, led thousands of people to Christ. But the sad thing is, at the end of Billy Sunday's life, toward the end, he said, I tried to save the whole world and watched my own kids go to hell. Wow. Wow. And so, you know, our number one responsibility um, uh, for mentoring and discipleship is to be the priest or pastor of our home. Um, and uh, and that means living it out, but it also means teaching the precepts, principles, the promises uh, of God's Word uh, to our children and grandchildren and future generations.
0: I love it. That is so practical. I heard one time a phrase that a saying that it stuck with me. He said, the, the person that uttered this said this. He said, the, the correct response or kind of reaction in our lives when we see this happening in any area of abuse, he said, the correct response or correction for abuse is not disuse, nor is it misuse, but it is correct use. So I think I think, well, often, I think we often kind of just react in a way, and we will let the pendulum swing the other direction. And that's not good for our kids. It's not good for our grandkids. It's not good for us, for crying out loud. You know, if we yeah. just let the pendulum swing the other way and say, I've been abusive in this area, so now I'm not going to share anything, that, that's not going to bring around the right fruit, right? Yeah, that's
1: exactly right, Mike. In fact, What you were saying there, uh, to kind of jog my memory, when you talk about the correct use, it's actually the definition of wisdom. A lot of times Mm. people don't know the difference between wisdom and knowledge, but the, uh, the best definition I ever heard of wisdom is wisdom is the correct application of knowledge.
0: That's great. That's great. Well, I, there are so many things like that that just brings up new pictures in my mind. But I, I want to go back to kind of finish this whole thing up right now with this generational curse. And in my uh, years as a pastor, when I would sense that, I would lead the person, and I'm sure that this would be your first stop as well, is to pray. And the Bible talks about a curse causeless cannot come. So when we see that there is a curse the generation, generationally speaking in our lives, maybe something passed down from our dad or, uh, in your situation, it would have been your grandfather who beat your dad and your dad had to break that. But, but like you said, it's not going to be in his own willpower. It's not going to be in his own strength. It's going to be with the help of, of the Lord. So step one is to renounce the curse, right? And that is to say, Lord, I break this by faith in Jesus name. And I renounce yeah. its hold on my life. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: That's that's a big start right there. And when a person does that, and then I think in my own experience, and you again jump in, uh, if uh, when it comes down to uh, the impact of a curse in our life is that we tend to start doing things uh, almost out of habit, almost just because that's the way that we've seen it, that's the way we do it. Uh, We can't continue to do the same things that that curse used to bring about, our ways of thinking, our ways of acting, but then there's the practical side of walking every day by faith and saying, I'm not going to let that thing have hold over my life any longer. It's been prayed for, it's been broken by the Lord, and now I'm going to walk in freedom.
1: That's right, Mike. Yeah, and and part of it, as you said, is is renouncing it in in faith and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but I think the second step, um, you know, is that change of mindset that you referred to, and um, the Scripture teaches us how to do that in Romans 12:1 and 2, where, where it tells us that we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so it's it's the combination of the Holy Spirit, um, because we can't do anything good on our own. But then it's also the power of the Word of God. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, it's about the the precepts, it's the principles, it's the promises of the Word of God. And those are the things that can transform our mind. Because like you said, uh, otherwise, uh, we have uh, left to ourselves, we will develop unintentional habits, uh, you know, ruts, if you would, in mm-hmm. our mind. And we keep going back to those. That's what causes addiction. And so what, what do we need to do? Well, we need to build, very frankly, new ruts in our mind that are good, good ruts, okay? Uh, good ways of thinking, good mindsets. And, and the way we do that is through the Word of God, uh, allowing it to transform uh, our hearts and, and minds.
0: I love it. I heard years ago a joke uh, that Jeff that went along this way. The only difference between a rut and a grave is that a rut has both ends knocked out.
1: <laughs> That's right. I, I heard that one too. It's a good one. That's
0: a good one. And we think that we're in a rut, and it's actually more like a grave. So it is really time to get out of that rut and to uh, walk uh, intentionally and walk purposefully toward the Lord, and He'll help us. This is so important, and I've been so encouraged by listening to your thoughts. Uh, Stewardship Legacy Coaching, give us those websites one more time, if you will, Jeff.
1: Sure. The first one is StewardshipLegacy.com, and the second one is ThrivingFamilyLegacy.com.
0: All right, and I hope that our friends that are listening We'll take advantage of uh, dropping by those websites and seeking you out. Uh, I love this. If you've just tuned in and you missed this earlier, the three hugs, as Jeff called it, that we need to test ourselves. Will your children still be hugging each other six months after you die? That's a great question. Number two, will there be people in heaven coming up to you, thanking you and hugging you for sharing the gospel? And number three, will we get that most desired hug from the Lord when he says, well done, good and faithful servant? That's really brilliant advice. And thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, I really appreciate it, Jeff.
1: Mike, thanks for having me on. And uh, I will be getting you a copy, free copy of my book, Create a Thriving Family Legacy, How to Share Your Wisdom and Wealth. With well, your children you. and grandchildren and uh, any of your audience that, uh, that want to find out more about the book, if they go to thrivingfamilylegacy.com, they'll, uh, they'll be able to read all about it there.
0: Well, that's wonderful. Thank you, Jeff. And we'll have to have you back up. And uh, next time in the studio here, my man, it'll be great. Sounds good. Jeff Rogers, Stewardship Legacy Coaching, and uh, right from Central Florida. And friends, thank you for being with us as well today on Afternoons with Mike. We'll see you next time right here on The Shepherd.